Welcome to another gospel message from St. Luke's Anglican Church, Clovelly. Good morning, everyone. I'm delighted to be reading the Bible for you today. And our, our passage comes from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 22 through 51. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him... God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, 
and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from, the, from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of God. Happy New Year. Uh, Feliz Años for Carlos. Is that okay? Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. Uh, friends, we're starting this year uh, thinking about the invitations of Jesus. And perhaps you notice some of them uh, where he says, whoever comes. And then sometimes it's the flip side, actually, where he says, and uh, this will never happen. Um, and they're these just beautiful invitations. There was a whole bunch in there. And we're just going to look at a couple of them that focus on Jesus being the bread of life. So, uh, friends, it's good to be together. Uh, here we go again on the masks and the uncertainty. And do you know what? It's just reminded me that one of the things that we're going to have to learn during this pandemic is to be patient. So I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you bow your heads? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, everything uh, comes from your hand, every good gift. We thank you that each day is a blessing from you and that nothing happens in this world except by your hand and your good plan for this broken world. And so, Father, even in this uh, tiring, uncertain season, the disappointment of perhaps starting this new year in this way, Father, would you grant us patience that comes from you, from your spirit? And, Father, would you help us to see especially that what we're searching for, the one that satisfies, is the Lord Jesus himself. And so we pray in his name. Amen. We live in a culture of uh, fine food, uh, of whole foods, there's those stores you can go to, of superfoods and smashed avo. But in a previous generation, uh, there was a food writer, uh, M.K. Fisher, she was quite famous, and she had to defend why she wrote about food and not politics or love or literature or something important. And uh, here's what she said one time, uh, just listen. The easiest answer is to say that, like most other humans, I am hungry. But there is more than that. It seems to me that our three basic needs for food and security and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the others. So it happens that when I write of hunger, I'm really writing about love and the hunger for love and warmth and the hunger for warmth. And then the warmth and richness and fine reality of hunger satisfied, and it's all one. That's fascinating, isn't it? She's saying um, we hunger for food, but we hunger for more than just food. And actually, all our hungers are entwined with each other. So we can overeat, right? We binge on the ice cream um, because we're feeling lonely or we're hungry for love. Uh, maybe we can undereat and diet, and perhaps excessively so, because we're craving acceptance of other people. 
So you see that there's a deeper hunger in the human soul than just food. And Jesus, who loved to eat, have you noticed that in the Gospels? Um, So much so that Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunk at times, Um, a friend of sinners. And yet in Jesus' hands, food is a symbol of how he meets our deepest hungers. I am the bread of life. Jesus says. Um, some of you will know that there's um, seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, this is one of the most famous, I am the bread of life. And it comes with Jesus' own invitation. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Jesus is saying he's the bread of life who can satisfy our deepest hunger. And he's like the soul food. You know that expression, the soul food that our souls are hungry for. So this is not one of those dainty meals, um, whether, you know, main meals the size of a 20-cent coin in the fine dining. It's not that sugary fairy floss that accounts for nothing. Jesus, that soul food, that warm, hearty, satisfying, fulfilling food that satisfies our souls. Now, it's just that not everyone believes that's true, do we? Um, And even in the Bible, actually. Uh, For some of the crowd in John chapter 6, Jesus' teaching leaves them with a bad taste in their mouth. And so this morning, I just want to take that skeptic's question. Why should we believe that Jesus is the one who can satisfy our souls? And as we unpack John chapter 6, I just want to give you three reasons, really. So the first is, Jesus is the sole food we need because Jesus is the one who offers food that lasts. Okay, what Jesus offers lasts. And now what was read for us is, um, is kind of technically called the bread of life discourse. Okay, and uh, it's the teaching that follows the miracle at the start of John chapter 6. Um, so you remember this miracle, there's a crowd uh, of maybe 15,000 people, so 5,000 men plus women plus children, let's say 15,000. No one's brought a packed lunch. Jesus feeds them with one little boy's happy meal, Uh, five bread loaves and two fish fingers. And in Jesus' hands, that multiplies to the point that Jesus' disciples have to gather 12 baskets full of leftovers. Clearly, Jesus kind of felt when you're catering, it's better to over-cater. 12 baskets full of leftovers. Um, The crowds think all their Christmas uh, lunches have come at once. They try to make Jesus their king. But Jesus doesn't want to be their king in that way. And so he withdraws. Uh, He crosses um, Lake Galilee without a boat. But the next day, um, his, there you go, Lake Galilee, we're talking about real places and um, uh, locations and times. Um, the next day, the crowds learn of Jesus' whereabouts and they get in their boats and they chase after him. And then we're going to pick it up from verse 25 and this verse is on the screen. John 6, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Okay, so Jesus sees what's really driving the crowds. It's not even miracles and signs, it's simply their stomachs. And so Jesus pleads to them, don't spend your life chasing something that perishes. Don't make your life about laboring and working and toiling for something with a use-by date. And that's kind of the thing with bread, isn't it? 
Um, bread was a staple in the first century, like now, um, and, but you needed it every day because it only lasts a day. Um, and that's still true, actually, even with refrigeration. Um, there was a government report in 2011 that said uh, Australians generate 361 kilos of food waste each year per person. That's a lot. Um, and uh, to put it another way, Australians throw away 20% of the food that we buy. So every fifth bag that you carry up the stairs goes back down as garbage. But the point today isn't about um, doing more composting. That's fine. That's great. Um, but actually, uh, to live for the food that lasts forever. And so the crowd say, okay, Jesus, sure. But um, what should we work for if we're going to work for what God requires? John 6, verse 29, on the screen. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom God has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, how are you going? Um, Jesus says, the work of God that God requires of you is not to work. Right? The work God requires of you is not to work, but to believe in the one God has sent, which is Jesus. Or in other words, stop toiling and start trusting. Stop trying to save yourself and trust Jesus to save you. See, what Jesus is saying is that the soul food that your soul is hungry for is actually a gift. It's not achieved, it's received from Jesus. And again, that's a big claim. So the crowd are back asking the signs, saying, Well, um, you know, look, if we're going to believe in you, Jesus, what are you going to do? Now, never mind the fact that Jesus just fed 15,000 people about eight hours ago. The people are hungry again. So, Jesus, can you do that, like, magic pudding thing again? Like, that was pretty cool. And uh, this could save me a whole lot of money on Cole's delivery. So, um, and, And also, Moses gave our ancestors manna in the desert. So, Jesus, if you're so great, feed us again. But Jesus wants us to know the difference between what feeds our stomachs and what feeds our souls. John 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus has the power to feed 15,000 people with one lunchbox, right? So Jesus could have solved world hunger right there and right then. But Jesus has come not to feed our stomachs for a day, but to satisfy our souls forever. This section started with Jesus saying, "Um, don't work, don't live for food that doesn't last. And it finishes with Jesus saying, I'm the bread who can fill you forever in a way that lasts forever. You'll never be hungry again. There's so many things that we um, hunger for, that we work for, that simply don't last. 
They're almost always good things, aren't they, actually? Um, things that God's created as gifts for us to enjoy, but in a broken world, that um, new surfboard gets its first ding, um, the dream home has a leak, the shiraz goes off, all those good, good, good things just don't last. And we think success will satisfy us. And are we hunger to make it in um, our work field or on the sporting field? Actually, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, elite athletes often talk about their hunger to succeed. And they kind of have to have that hunger or they never will succeed. But have you noticed how many sports people, even the successful ones, in fact, perhaps especially the successful ones, find that life after sport is empty? It was, it was a great rush. They got the thing they were hungry for, but it just didn't satisfy. It just didn't last. Even the relationships that we hope will fill us often don't last, and even the best ones are broken by death. But what Jesus is serving up doesn't perish, and it doesn't have a use-by date. Because he's talking about eternal life. To know that you're accepted by your creator and judge, to know that you are secure forever, to know that you're going to the party that never ends and where the food never runs out. Eternal life that starts now and lasts forever, that is for anyone and for everyone that he invites to come and trust him. Jesus is saying he's the soul food your soul is hungry for. Why? Because he's the only thing that lasts and can satisfy you forever. There is another reason. Here's the second thing. Jesus is the soul food we're hungry for because he's from heaven. You notice he's not just the bread of life. He also says, I'm the bread from heaven, from God. And that's the thing. The only thing that can satisfy your soul isn't something, it's someone, your creator. And uh, the next little section, the refrain, is not only that Jesus is the bread of life, but the bread from heaven. That's language from the Old Testament, um, from the time of Moses, where the people were fed with bread from uh, heaven, the manna that God provided. Except now Jesus is saying, the true bread from heaven has come. The ultimate food. Uh, so John 6, verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus is not only the bread of life that gives eternal life, he's also the bread from heaven because he's come down from heaven. And that's almost the same as um, John 1.18 in John's prologue at the start of the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, look, no one's seen the Father. No one knows what God's like. No one can say definitively what God is like, except the one who's come from God. Come to show us God and come to lead us home to God. That's Jesus' claim. He is bread from heaven, the one who can lead us back to God because nothing else can satisfy your soul except the one who made you and made your soul. Now, some of you might have seen um, there's a Netflix documentary on minimalism. It came out a couple of years ago. And um, there's these two Canadians who are living the high life, uh, big pay packets and big expenses, just kind of living month to month. But they kind of had this almost um, conversion experience um, where they realized that all this stuff in their lives actually wasn't satisfying. And that consumerist hunger for more and more and the next thing was only leaving them feeling empty. And kind of the tagline is, you know, minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things 
so we can make room for life's most important things, which aren't things at all. Now, that's like the gospel. It's kind of phrased like a gospel, isn't it? That's the gospel of minimalism. And it may be more attractive than the gospel of materialism for some of us um, that says, you know, we are what we buy and we are what we have. But simply living with less is not the sole food that your soul is hungry for. Because we might live with emptier houses, but our souls will never be filled until they're filled with God. And Jesus is telling us that the bread that will fill you ultimately and forever isn't something, but someone. That he's the bread from heaven, come from God, so that we can know God. And that he's come down, because on our own we could never reach up to God. In fact, if you read some of those verses in John chapter 6, Jesus is saying, we never even wanted to reach God until God first came to us and melted our hearts and drew us to him. Jesus is the bread come from God so that we can be filled with God. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. We're created by God and for God and our souls will never be filled until they're filled with God. Now, if you're someone who's curious or skeptical about Christianity, um, we might find ourselves saying, look, I, I just don't kind of feel like I need Christianity and Jesus. I'm not hungry. I'm not empty. My life's kind of fine. In fact, my life's already quite full. Um, there's work and family and the surf club and kids' sports. I've got no need or time for Jesus and church. And in a way, I think Jesus would agree. There is a joy and satisfaction and fullness in all those good things that God has made, from sunsets to friendships to work to children. But the kicker is, it's possible to fool yourself and to fill yourself with all of that for a really, really, really long time, but not forever. The French philosopher Simone Weil said, The danger is not lest the soul should doubt whether there is any bread, but lest by a lie it should persuade itself that it is not hungry. We trick ourselves with all these other things into thinking that actually there's not something greater that we're hungering for, when actually we are. And sometimes it's when we're suddenly finally alone, um, like really alone, like when your phone battery goes dead and you're cut off from the world <laughs> or in a pandemic. And for some of us, we can barely cope. It's almost like the busyness was covering up this emptiness that was within. Because your soul was never created to be filled by the created things, but to be filled by the creator. Now, if you're already Christian, and I take it that's most of us here, just wanna, even as we start a new year with all this uncertainty around us, what are you hungering for? What are you kind of craving after to fill you? Because there's a discomfort and unease at the moment that some of us will be feeling, and we're going to try and fill that and take away the anxiety and find comfort in something. More Netflix, more food. Um, the Christmas kind of uh, just the eating keeps going. I don't know. But here's the thing. Jesus' invitation isn't like a one-off transaction. Become a Christian, 100% satisfied, just get on with my life now without Jesus. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. Um, that's kind of using Jesus for like a quick fix, actually. 
when what he's inviting us to is to change our diet so that we're not feeding on sugary treats that will keep leaving us dissatisfied, but to feed on him, to keep coming back to him, to have our souls fed by his word and his promises day after day and week after week until he takes us home. And you know what? You could even ask the question, what does your relationship with food say about your relationship with God? While we're talking about food today, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, do you regularly skip lunch because uh, oh, you know, you're at work and you're just kind of so consumed with work and that's the thing that's most important to you? Um, or are you a foodie who's just a little bit too obsessed with kind of gourmet and whatever else? Um, when you're feeling sad, you look for comfort at the bottom of the ice cream tub. Um, or do you look for comfort in the Lord? Can you say, Psalm 63, Lord, your love is better than life. You satisfy better than the richest of foods. Because Jesus is saying he's the bread from heaven. He's the one who's come from God so that we can be filled with God. He's the one who will fill you, and he's the one who will raise you up at the last day to enjoy your creator forever, which means, of course, you don't want to face eternity without Jesus. But then Jesus doesn't want you to face eternity without him either. And that's the last reason that Jesus uses this picture of bread. See, for, for bread to nourish you and feed you, it has to be broken, doesn't it? Um, either you take that bread loaf and you tear it apart or you take a knife to it, right? But it's got to be broken in order for it to be able to nourish you. So have a look at verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. But the, the only bread that will fill us and satisfy us forever is Jesus himself, his flesh given for the life of the world. And it's sacrificial language, isn't it? Jesus is saying, I'm going to give my flesh. I'm going to die so that others can live. That's exactly what happens every time you have a sandwich. Right? The only way that the bread can nourish you is when it's broken. Um, and apart from salt and a few minerals, everything we eat has died so that we can live. Right? The lettuce, um, the wheat and the bread, the meat... That amazing cheese, you know, burger, you, you, a dead cow, dead wheat, dead onions, dead, you know. And even if you're eating just bread, it's, it's not only that um, the grains die, but the bread has to be broken for us to eat. So in the end, it's really very simple, actually. Either those things die or you do. And when Jesus says, the bread I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, he's saying, I've come from God as a breakable human being, Right? That's the Christmas bit, so that I can be broken for you. The Easter bit. That's what Jesus says the night before he dies. This bread is my body broken for you. I'm going to die so you can live. I'm going to be empty so you can be filled. And our part is not to work our way to God, but to receive the one from God who's come to us, Jesus. And so, my friends, my Christian sisters and brothers, um, the more you see Jesus doing all this for you, 
the more it will change your heart and fill you up. It's not just about believing in the existence of God or some vague idea of loving God that will change you, but to know that Jesus has come from God because you could never get to God. You wouldn't even want to get to God without him coming to you. And to know that Jesus was broken on the cross for you so you can be filled forever. The more we take hold of that in our lives, the more we will be filled up with Jesus and satisfied. And even if at first you have to pray, just pray the words, God, your love is better than life, even if you're not feeling it, the more you pray that and ask for that, the more your heart will begin to sing it. Because Jesus really is the soul food that your soul is hungry for. He's the only one who is broken for you and the only one who can satisfy you forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, please forgive us for all the ways that we hunger and chase after things that won't satisfy. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life, the one who can satisfy us and fill us, not just now, but forever. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask this year that you would please stir us and move us and compel us by your Holy Spirit within us, that we would hunger for you this year more than all the other things and that we would know a satisfaction this year more than we've ever experienced before. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about St Luke's Anglican Church, please visit www.clovelly.org.au.